Dr. Nito Cabane is the president of High Point University. He came to America from Lebanon at age 17. He tells of an elderly college house lady at Mount Olive College who deposited $350 in his checking account. One month, he found this deposit there and was to buy his first car. Her income was $100 Social Security and $100 from the college per month. When he checked his account at the end of the month, he couldn't believe it. He asked her about it and she said, I've decided it is much better for me to invest my money in the life of a budding young man than to park it in a savings account somewhere. And he said, that day my life was changed. That day my life was changed. To think that someone believed in me. That they would willingly sacrifice to help me. To help me get started. To help me pursue the purpose God had for my life. You see, this lady held a young man's heart in her hands. And she guarded it well. She could have talked everything down. She could have told him how hard life is and how people will disappoint. And, you know, don't be surprised if you don't realize what is your dreams and all those things. You know what she would have been doing? She would not have been prophesying. She would have been testifying. That's where some people are. They cannot get over the heartaches and challenges and disappointments of their own life. And while they're just so obsessed with that, possessed with that, they're blinded to the people that are right before them whose heart is in their hands and they can impact, they can encourage, they can infuse with faith and hope. She guarded his heart well. She appropriately stewarded her opportunity to write something of hope and gratitude upon the heart of, in her words, a budding young man. Now I think about this. I think about whose heart God has placed in my hands, in your hands. With that in mind, I want you to take the Bible and stand with me as we read God's Word together in Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Let's stand together. We'll read one verse. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 23. I want you to take to heart this verse 26. Read it aloud with me, please. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. This is a verse I gave my oldest son, Timothy, when he turned 13. My son, give me thine heart. Thank you, you may be seated. What Solomon was saying here is, son, give. Put your heart in my hands. Trust me 
with your heart. I will help shape it and mold it into a heart of character, commitment, and compassion. You see, when each of our older boys turned 13, I bought them a watch and had engraved on the back of that watch this verse. My son, give me thine heart. I remember when this was still western sizzling over here. Remember that, some of you? Where Mayfair is now? Rebecca and I took him to lunch. I was so proud of that watch. And I wanted to let him know that he's becoming a young man. And I wanted to let him know that as best I could as his dad, I would guard his heart as he trusted it to me as his father to help mold it and shape it into the heart God wanted it to be. I want you to think about this this morning, about this matter of guarding the hearts you've been given. Number one, because God puts people in our hearts. Turn with me over to the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. God puts people in our hearts. It's something of great importance to know that someone is in your heart that God has placed you there, but they've placed their heart in your hands. And you have an influence, you have an impact upon that heart. You can nurture that heart and encourage and strengthen that heart, or you can crush that heart, squeeze the life out of it. What are you doing with the hearts of those people who have trusted their heart into your heart, into your hands? The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Underline that. I have you in my heart. I think of this matter of how he greatly longed after them. He says in verse number 8, for God is my record, God is my witness, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Look over in chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation or encouragement in Christ, if any comfort or reassurance of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. The word bowels here has the thought of the deepest seat of emotion, compassion, and sympathy. I love you deeply. I remember Dr. Sexton sending me a personal note some years back, and he used that expression, I love you and your family deeply. He says here, you're, you're so deep in my heart. There's nothing that is right that I wouldn't give you or do for you because you have my heart. You're in my heart. God puts people in our hearts. And as we think about this, we think about how you couldn't prompt that. You could not force that. You could not pay someone to have you in their heart. I, I mean, it's one thing to be a friend or to have some kind of casual or surface interaction uh, with people. 
But to think about the fact that you are in someone's heart. That means they love you at a depth to where they pray for you. They desire the absolute best for you. They're going to watch out for you. They're going to help you in every way that they possibly can. Why? You're in their heart. There's nothing that is right they wouldn't do. They're willing to put themselves out. That's what true love is, is the example of Christ. He was willing to suffer so we wouldn't have to, right? That's what true love says. If you're in someone's heart, then I'll be disadvantaged so you could be advantaged. I will gladly suffer or sacrifice so you could go free or so you could be blessed. That's my heart towards you. That is the heart of Christ toward us. And I ask you this morning, is that your heart toward others? Has something grieved your heart with another? So much so that you have shut up your bowels of compassion. The depth of love and devotion of empathy or sympathy, you, you no longer feel toward them. Now we lo know that love is a choice, it's a commitment, it's not altogether a feeling because feelings vary, they come and go. But at some point there has to be some renewed sense of empathy and sympathy and compassion in your heart towards someone who has trusted their heart to you. Someone that you're responsible for, someone you've made a commitment to. Paul said, I have you in my heart. I read an article by a lady who, in summary, made these observations. Self-focused people love conditionally and without true depth. Think about it. See, this is the opposite, the contrast to those who really love from the heart. Self-focused people love conditionally and without true depth. They love the benefits you provide for them more than they love you. They lack empathy and compassion. How could you love a person if you don't care about their pain or suffering or the burdens they bear? If at some level you don't care about what someone cares about or what cares they carry, you don't care about that person. Do you care about what makes someone happy? or what is important to them. Self-consumed people primarily think of themselves at others' expense. They do not recognize nor appreciate the love they are given and fail to realize that they are often the source of someone else's pain. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? While we're looking for someone to love us so many times, we fail to love them unconditionally, with a depth of devotion that says, hey, you are in my heart. And God helping me, I will stand by you. We will weather what storms come our way because I am devoted to God and devoted to you at that depth of heart. It's not about what I can get from you. It's about what I can give to you. That's at the root of a healthy relationship, giving, serving, loyally devoted. That's the definition of agape love, loving as Christ loved us. Loving one another with a loyal, devoted, committed, sacrificial love. God puts people 
in our hearts, we often think we see in others what really we see in ourselves, we possess in ourselves. Certain situations in life when we're looking for someone to produce something for us is really a mirror of that which we're unwilling to produce or provide or share with them. Would you care about someone enough to where they could be honest with you and tell you how you truly make them feel? Would it bother you if someone says, I I feel like you have pushed me away. I feel like your compassion, your empathy has been for some reason just cooled to the point of it's stopped up. It just doesn't flow anymore from you to me. Would it bother you if someone felt unloved by you? <laughs> they don't feel it. They know I love them. Isn't it amazing how many people never say I love you? Or, you know, I miss you, I value you, I'm with you, I stand with you in this, I have your back, I believe in you to the point to where I will support you and encourage you every way I can. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how many marriages have devolved to that place? couldn't get enough of each other, see enough or talk on the phone enough or be together enough while you were dating, right? You couldn't live without that person. Now you can't live with that person. It's amazing how things turn around and how our hearts and and, and our compassion cools. And if we're not careful, we'll become self-focused and not even realize it. And some of that is rooted in self-preservation. Well, I'm going to have to look out for myself here. You know, he or she is not providing for me what I thought they would or what they used to, and so I'm going to have to provide that for me. I'll have to look out for me. And what we do more and more as we go down that path, we distance ourselves from those whose heart is in our hands. They trusted their heart to us. It's amazing, isn't it? I think about Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. It's a powerful passage here. We should guard the hearts we've been given because God puts people in our hearts. Number two, because they dwell securely by us. Now remember Solomon said, son, give me your heart. Trust me with your heart. I'll take care of it. I'll guard it. I'll guide it. I'll mold it. I'll shape it. I'll I'll look after it. You know that I have your back. You know that I'm dealing with you in absolute good faith. Obviously, I have my faults. You have yours. We have our moments. That's not to excuse any wrong, but it's not to dismiss all the right or all the good that is found in each other. The Bible says here, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 27, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Their heart in your hand. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again and tomorrow I will give when thou hast it by thee. Devise not evil against thy neighbor seeing he dwelleth what? Securely by thee. Keep your heart right. Keep your heart pure because the word securely literally means a refuge. It's a place of trust, safety, security, and assurance. 
They're counting on us to do right by them. They're trusting us to be trustworthy. <laughs> They're trusting on, uh, in us and, and upon us to take that heart that they've committed to us and do right by it. Cultivate it. Guard it. Look after it. They could not imagine you uh, doing wrong by them knowingly trying to subvert them or undermine them or take from them or to harm them in some way. Wow, for them to realize that it's like, goodness, all trust has been forfeited. It's been broken because to know that someone knowingly says, your heart is in my hands, but it doesn't mean much to me. I don't value your heart as much as I value my heart. So I'm going to look after my heart before I look after your heart. When you find someone is that way towards you, that's one of the greatest disappointments in life. One of the deepest wounds you could carry. Wow. I mean... I thought you loved me. I remember years ago, I would go by, and I mean like years ago, and visit one of our members up in years. Was not long for this world, and, and I was so kind to her, and she was so kind to me. <laughs> she went home to be with the Lord, and I was giving the gospel at her funeral, and some family got upset at me for giving the gospel. Right there at the graveside, in essence, called me out and told me the way their loved one really felt about me. And I remember standing there thinking, wow, I thought she loved me. I really thought she loved me. Thank you, preacher, for coming. God bless you, preacher. Can you imagine honoring or dishonoring a loved one in such a way? But I'll tell you, people, a lot of times you give them your heart and you think that they see the value of what you've entrusted to them. But then you find out later, it didn't mean much. For some, it didn't mean anything. The Bible says don't treat people that way. It's not right. God will not bless you. While you're trying to curse them, the one you're cursing ultimately is yourself. When you knowingly do wrong by people, you undermine them, you take from them, you deceive them, you try to advantage yourself by disadvantaging them, you are not right with God and God will not hold you guiltless. God will call you into account for that. The Bible says, don't treat people wrong. Devise not evil. The word devise, don't plan or scheme or play smoke and mirrors with them. Play games with them. Try to trick them. Don't you treat them that way because they're dwelling securely by you. They trust you. They believe in you. And so he says here, in verse 32, For the fraud is abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame 
shall be the promotion of fools. It is folly in the eyes of a holy God to take someone who is trusting you, who has entrusted their heart to you, and to squander that. To knowingly harm that. To inflict pain willingly upon that. It's a sin that God will call into account. You know, I think about true love. It's not something that's just a sentiment that's felt or spoken even. It's demonstrated. 2 Kings 10 verse 15, the king of Israel, Jehu, invited Jonadab, the son of Rechab, the founder of the Rechabites, who actually had a lineage of a true heart for God, this family did. And uh, after God was executing judgment upon the house of Ahab, there's a time when uh, Jehu came upon Jonadab and uh, he saluted him and said unto him, Is thine heart right as my heart is with thy heart? And Jonadab answered, It is. And then the king said, If it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand and he took him up in the chariot. There's a phrase there, he gave him his hand. He didn't just say it, but he showed it. He communicated in some tangible way. And if you really love people, you'll show them. In some tangible way, you will entrust yourself to them. You will give to them. You will demonstrate to them outwardly what your heart is. We all talk about, well, I love this person. I love that person. What have you done openly and outwardly at some level, at some way, at some point to show them that of late? The Bible says, 1 John chapter 3, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him. How dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. That is the word of the Lord. That is the standard that God has given us for not only blessing upon our lives, but through our lives to so many others. Let your word, let your promise, let your commitment be yea, and amen in Christ Jesus. Keep your commitment to God and to others. God wants us to guard the hearts that we've been given, not only because He puts people in our hearts and they dwell securely by us, but number three, because what we write on their heart remains. Look back in chapter 3 here, Proverbs, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. What are you writing upon the tablet, the table of the heart of your children, of your husband, your wife? Your friends, what are you writing there daily? Let me tell you this. What you write upon their heart, after a while they're going to start believing. There are some people that never get beyond their past. And because they will not allow God to heal them, they continually bleed upon everyone else that had nothing to do with the pain 
with the affliction that they've incurred. How long is it going to take you, Mom, Dad, to humble yourself before God and say, God, I've got some things inside I need you to help me with. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm sad. I mean, I'm all of that sometimes, all at once, it seems. And the ones who are paid the most for that are my immediate loved ones, my family. How long is it going to take? You know, some of you, if you're not careful, you're going to wait till your children grow up. You have a window here. You have a window. It's closing day by day. You say, but preacher, you don't know. Listen, I promise you this. I believe one reason God has let me travel the path that I've traveled because he's let my heart be crushed so many times because he put me in a position like this to reach out to different ones who are crushed and just simply say, there is hope and healing in Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, where you've been, what others have done with your heart, what you've done with another's heart, there's a God in heaven who you have his heart. And he knows the need of your heart. And he will help you. He has a heart to help you. I'll tell you what's being written upon people's hearts. They're going to believe after a while. And what breaks my heart, see, I've been preaching for a long time now, 43 years by the grace of God. I've pastored a lot of people. I've preached in a lot of places. And what breaks my heart more than anything is to see people actually live and die believing a lie. She don't love me. He doesn't love me. My parents don't love me. When oftentimes that was not true. That's why I ask, could you have a loved one be honest with you and say, I just don't feel loved by you anymore. I just don't feel secure in our relationship like I once did. Well, let's figure this out. Let's give this to God. Let's work through this because I want you to know I do love you. I'd hate for you to die thinking deep in your heart and your mind. He used to love me. She used to love me. But then life happened. And we just kind of grew cold in our hearts. We shut up our bowels of compassion. And we didn't guard those hearts anymore. Our own and that of the other. We just let them drift and dry up. The Bible says... Death and life are in the power of the tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. You're either killing someone by your words or you're giving them life. Are you killing someone's spirit or are you infusing life? When they come around you, are they lifted up or are they depressed? When they end their interaction with you, do you... See that, hey, that person's heart is in my hand. That's my loved one. That's my friend. And they're trusting me. And so I, I'm going to try to do right by them. When they talk with you and interact with you, do they go away thinking, wow, I just love that person. I'm so glad that God's blessed me with that person in my life. Or they're like, wow, wh why, why do they do like that? Why do they treat me that way? Why do they act like I don't exist? Why, why do they make me feel the way they do? 
Some people are going to live their life thinking they're not loved, they're not good enough, they can't change, relationships cannot be mended, the past cannot be overcome, and that's not true. With Jesus Christ, there's always hope, right? There's always healing. There's always prospect for God even to bring good out of bad. That's the God we serve. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of truth that sets all men free. And God wants us to humble ourselves and realize anew that at the heart of every matter is a matter of the heart. That's why we ought to guard each other's heart. We ought to value that. Now let's just say, okay, you've been hurt. We all have. And I would never minimize that. I know the depth of that. What are you going to do with that hurt? Are you going to knowingly lash out at someone and try to hurt them because they hurt you? Well, you're never going to win like that. And the one you're going to hurt the most in the end is going to be yourself. Would it concern you if someone says, I just don't have a liberty when I'm with you. I can't talk openly and freely and, and, and feel valued or respected or loved anymore. Would it concern you? I, I would hope that we would be of the heart and mind if we had loved one that felt that way, that if they said that to us, we would say, well, I, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. I'm going to have to take that to heart and, and ask God to help me with that because I don't want you to feel that way because best I know, I do love you. You see? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Are you speaking life into people or death? Are you helping them or are you hurting them? Whose heart do you have in your hands? What are you doing with it? What are you going to do with it? I mentioned recently of all the things that God has put in my heart to do, to work toward, et cetera, in life. I hope when my children see me laying here that they will say from their heart, I know my dad loved the Lord. I know he loved my mom. And I know he loved me. No doubt about it. Some of us can't say that. Do you realize? About our parents. We can't say that. In fact, our suspicion is opposite of that. Or we know it's not that. I think that's the highest goal in life. Because what is the first and great commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. And then love thy neighbor as thyself. When people look at you, will they say, that man loves me. He loves God. That lady, she loves the Lord. I tell you what, and I know she loves me. She's so kind to me. She does things for me, helps me out. What are you doing with the hearts that God has put in your hands? I read this poem someone wrote sometime back, The Heart of a Child. Whatever you write on the heart of a child, no water can wash away. The sands may be shifted when billows are wild and the efforts of time may decay. 
Some stories may perish, some songs be forgot, but this engraved record, time changes not. Whatever you write in the heart of a child, a story of gladness or care, that heaven has blessed or that earth has defiled, will linger there. What is written upon people's hearts remains. What are you writing upon the hearts of those who have given their heart into your hands? Let's stand with our heads bowed.